Hi, this is Dawn Shireen, and this is my podcast, Dancing with Bipolar. Today's special guest is Neil Wadier, who is a resilience and mental performance coach who develops your skills to grow and thrive through stress and diversity. So you can contact Neil at www.neilwadier.com, N-E-I-L-W-A-T-T-I-E-R.com. And without further ado, let's talk to Neil. Hi, Neil. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing quite well today. Thank you. You so bet. Thanks I, for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm really interested in what it is that you do. And um, I gave the audience already like a little brief bio on you before I brought you on. Um, but just to clarify, uh, you're a resilient and mental performance coach. Yes. And your mission is to develop your skills to grow and thrive through stress and diversity. Stress and adversity is what I focus on. So, yeah, skills to help you grow and thrive through stress and adversity and propel your mental performance from good to great. From good to great. All right, so I just want to give the audience, just in case, the, the definition of resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. Now, how difficult can things be that you can help to um, reverse in, our, in somebody's mind when they've gone through it? Some of the conversations that I've had and the the stories that I've heard people talk about is there's never a a depth you can go to that you can't recover from. And I mean, I've talked to people that have, you know, heavy drug and alcohol, prison, um, you know, on the verge of suicide, you know, um, mental collapse, relationships collapsing. And you know, the, the idea of the, the reason why I, I define resilience as skills that help you grow and thrive through stress and diversity is because everyone can be empowered by learning something new that you can employ in your life the way that you best see it and the way that it works best for you. Resilience is not a trait. It's not about, um, you know, I have this gene that allows me to get through things great. We've seen people from all walks of life are able to learn skills that help you um, become more mentally strong, to be more emotionally connected and to withstand difficult adversity. And, you know, I talked about stress. Stress is a daily thing. We all face stress daily and even good things are stress. Going on vacation is, can be stressful. But, you know, when we talk about getting worn down over time, if you're not able to fight back against that and, you know, the, the rest and relaxation for those people that like to rise and grind, you know, you got to be able to take a step back. I had no plans today. And I spent the day, you know, smoking a rack of ribs and sitting on my back porch with no plans because even somebody like me, who I am, you know, we talk it, resilience is not a trait, but some people tend to be a little bit more optimistic. I get that, but everybody can learn. So I tend to be a real optimistic, open-minded person. Even that, the, you know, the downfall is that I go, I tend to go, 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 go. And I need to take a step back and rest and recuperate. But when you talk about people that are feeling really deep, um, deep, you know, it could be um, mental uh, illness. It could be high anxiety. Um, my daughter is one of those. She's got a, a real uh, challenge. Uh, her big challenging adversity is she's, she suffers from high anxiety. And so we've talked through the, the ability to employ these skills that she she doesn't let the anxiety control her. She has to be still has to be aware of it, but right. she doesn't let it control her. And I think that's the big thing is empowering people so they know they can grow and they can thrive. So your your I don't know if you call them clients or your people that come to you. Um, they have to come with the state of mind of wanting to be able to get well, right? Because you could totally set it back yourself if you're like i can't do this this isn't for me i'm not ready i'm not capable of doing this it's right it's a matter it's, it's a matter of you being willing to put the work in and then you coaching someone to be the best possible version of themselves is that kind of how it works? for me yes um so i i let people know ahead of time that i am a you know, I'm a coach, I'm a trainer, I'm a mentor. Um, Cause you know, a lot of times in coaching people are like, well, you would just ask questions and people make up their own mind. Yes and no. But I also have skills that I like to, to teach people. So I'm a, I'm an instructor, I'm a trainer, I'm a mentor, you know, I'm all those things. What I am not is a counselor and a therapist. And I make that distinction is a very, very important because I don't do a lot of, 
you know, go into your past and heal, you know, emotional and emotion, uh, emotional and mental wounds. That's not where I specialize. Therapists and counselors are trained. Uh, medical mental health professionals are trained to do that. And while I, I don't do that, what I do is very good to complement that. So it can be, you can have both, but no different than going into a therapist. If you're not willing to do the work and the searching, you're not going to gain anything from a counselor or a therapist as well. And with resilience, I can't be resilient for other people and other people can't be resilient for me. It is up to me to employ the skills, um, you know, and there's a lot of traps that people fall into, whether that be, you know, the victim mentality or the, you know, the woe is me, or I'm just not good enough. And uh, I still like to work with people like that because I think that certain skills can, can help, but you're absolutely right. If you're not ready and willing to step up and do the work, nothing's going to do it for you. You have to be the one that takes control and, you know, going into therapy, um, you know, a lot of times I, I tell people, you know, maybe you're just not ready. Uh, therapy or counseling might be the, the best first step. Um, but I, I think that ultimately, whether you're talking about mental illness, um, mental strength, um, even, even, you know, on the left side, I, I like to look at it like a spectrum on the left side, you've got people that are struggling with significant stress and significant adversity. And on the, on the opposite side, on the right side, you've got people that are, are doing pretty good, but they, that's where that good to great comes in. Every, you know, most people want to push and they want to hit that high end performance. I've been in the military for a long time and I meet a lot of people like that. They're like, I'm good, but I'm not great. Okay. Well, how do we get you to great? And the, I like having that conversation because everybody falls somewhere different not only person to person, but also within the person, all the areas of my life, you know, I might be good at work, but my relationships are suffering, or maybe I've got relationships, but I, I don't manage money real well. Like there's a lot of areas. And if you imagine just dots scattered all over this timeline, if we can just push everything a little bit to the right towards the high end, that's mm -hmm. kind of where I do my best work is how do we push just a little bit? What one thing can we work on or what groups of things can we work on? But yeah, you're right. Ultimately, it comes down to the person has to be in the right um, mindset and mentality that they're in control. Right. And I also think like your um, your people that you have around you, your support system can either be a negative or a very positive effect when you're seeking. Um, I, I wouldn't say you know, if you call yourself a life coach, but when you're seeking a coach, um, because a lot of people think that there's a lot of hocus pocus in the, the coaching field like anybody can do it you can go buy a certificate for it and have like little to no training and actually possibly come in and come in and blow somebody's life up further if you don't know what it is that you're doing um so what kind of what kind of prior training or training during this period of time now that you are you know a performance coach have you taken to um enable you know your clients to you know thrive I know that's one of the words that you use somewhere around here too, is to thrive. Right. Yeah. So um, how do you go about that? What are some of the life hacks that you teach your people? Well, my experience comes from a lot of time spent in the military. And over the last five to six years, I've had some pretty specialized jobs where it was very people focused. How can you help someone um, you know, I may not necessarily be within your specialty, your trade within um, within the military, but I can work with you to develop your personal professional um, your personal professional leadership or management or your self awareness. Or I can help you in the trouble spot if you're having financial problems. I'm not a financial professor, but I know somebody who is a financial professional. So I've I've networked a lot and I've learned how to redirect people to where their needs lie. So I'm a really, I'm really good at networking and I, I love working with people to find out where they need the help and then, and then directing them to that. Um, and then I've also over the last couple of years had the opportunity to uh, train both with the army and the air force in their resilience programs, including going to master resilience trainer courses, which were originally designed uh, and launched by University of Pennsylvania, which is one of the top psychology uh, universities in the nation. And they've done a lot of research and um, 
I, I don't really consider myself a research professional. I, I'm going to, I'm pursuing my, um, my master's degree in performance psychology. Um, and I'm, and I'm kind of nervous about it because I'm not a research person. I love, I love reading about research and then applying it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an active doer person. The research, I, I took a stats class once and it just about blew my mind. I, I couldn't handle it. So, you know, everybody's got their strengths and their weaknesses, but I, I tend to, I, I love to learn and I love to apply. And so these, these master resilience trainer courses that the military had put out from university of Pennsylvania, just really, uh, it spoke to me because they talk about skills. Here's skills that you can use. And that's how I teach my workshops. And that's how I teach the, you know, people in, in my coaching and in the conversations that I have and the speeches that I do is I always make a promise to people that when you and I have a conversation, you're going to walk away with at least one skill that you can immediately implement in your life. And it's, it's not theory. It's not philosophy. It's here's a skill. Here's the benefit you get from it. And here's how you do it so that people walk away knowing you know, and that breaks down those barriers where you're right. We're, we're being flooded with, um, with markets along the lines of coaching and development. And there's a lot of people out there that talk theory, but they, they stop just short of the conversation of now what, you know, they tell you, you need to go out and be more resilient. Okay, well, great. What does that mean? And that's where I like to start my conversations is now what, what can you do right now in the next 24 hours in the next 48 hours to get yourself the little wins so that you can feel positive emotion and you can see positive results. And that encourages you to make those next steps because small wins turn into big wins. No, that's absolutely true. I uh, had a guest on uh, a couple months ago and we were talking about trauma and he also was talking about the mentoring and uh, he had asked his mentor what the simplest thing was that he could start to do on a daily basis in order to make his day better and his mentor told him to make his bed every morning when he woke up a simple thing it's completed it's done and you've got one check mark on your daily list that you have done something positive to aid your day and it's like as simple as making your bed can change the whole flow of your day and i was like that's brilliant you know so i mean i don't know if that's a, some of the simple hacks or some of the simple skills that you would teach but i mean to me that was just like who can't make their bed in the morning when they get up and set their day like straight on that? Yeah. Some people with, with some people, they, they really do need what's the simplest win I can have right now. And, and that's the type of mentality, whether that be make your bed, make your breakfast, um, you know, buy somebody lunch. What are the things that you can do to, to feel positive emotion so that you can have a positive outlook you know, and because you're right, if you make your bed, what do you have something you have, regardless of how your day went, you always come home and you see that I did that. I am really big on, on empowerment, um, empowerment and accountability. So similar to the idea of a small win, meaning um, with, with make your bed is one of the number one things that I teach. And it's the simplest skill. And here's, I'm going to fulfill my promise that you're going to walk away with one thing that you can immediately implement in your life is is the idea of gratitude uh, because gratitude is the idea of being thankful for what you have or what you experience or the people around you. So if you're, if you're listening, this is what I want you to do sometime either tonight or first thing in the morning, I want you to reflect on the past 24 hours and find three things that, that you're thankful for three, three good things. And then I want you to ask yourself a, a, a couple, a series of questions to reflect on it because it's one thing to think about you're being grateful for something. It's another to sit and reflect on that good thing. I want you to ask yourself why it happened, what it means to you, what did you or others do to contribute to it and how can you encourage more in, in the next 24 hours? And what that does is it, at first you start reflecting on your, on your days. If you do this enough every single day, you start reflecting on your days and you start thinking of good things. But what you're doing is you're training your brain to look for the good things. So by the end of, let's say, a 30-day challenge, by the end of that 30 days, you're no longer going to have to reflect because you're going to be going throughout your day, finding and observing the good things as they happen. And you're going to naturally ask yourself those questions. What does this mean to me? And how did I contribute? Or what does it mean to me? So you're going to train your brain 
you're going to train the, the, the neural pathways in your, your brain so that you are going to no longer look for the negative. You're going to be searching for the positive. And, and it changes your mentality. It increases your mood. Uh, it, it improves your sleep and your overall health, your relationships, because, you know, people just they, people like optimistic people. And I like to clarify at this point, because I'm not talking about put your head in the sand and just look at the good things and ignore the bad things. I'm talking about realistic optimism because you still have to be responsible for the negative things. You still have to be aware of the negative, negative things, especially when it comes to danger. But what we're talking about is change your perspective so you're more optimistic and you appreciate and you become much more thankful for the good things that happen in your life. I agree with you. I mean, you're talking about neuroplasticity right now, basically, um, which, again, for the listeners, is the ability of the brain to form and reorganize synaptic connections, especially in response to learning or experiences or following an injury, which could be a brain injury or any form of an injury. Um, but my question is, think, seeing that we've already kind of touched on that you're not a therapist, um, a therapist, but in a way, what you're teaching for is kind of a form of DBT, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy kind of mixed up together, isn't it? Along with mindfulness. Um, there is a lot in there. Yes, because we are, we are creatures of habit. And, you know, I use when I when I go into like stress and adversity, I use the example of, you know, a, an analogy of grass, right? You, you look out, out your front window and you see grass well some of us do anyway and so imagine right so imagine a truck with huge tires just rolls through your front yard and imagine the trauma that that does to grass right that's a bad day to be grass you look at the you know the the marks and the the care that it would take to get it all back together again that's what i that's that's an easy analogy when i imagine trauma something some major event or ongoing um episodes happen that cause major trauma and you have to deal with that you have to deal with the damage and you have to deal with the aftercare similarly if i walk out my front door and i walk straight to my mailbox i will walk right through my front yard well a couple times you know maybe even a week it's not a big deal but if you imagine after 30 days 40 days 60 days i'm going to wear a path that's yeah. long time stress that you have to be aware of that a lot of people say you know it's into the point where they're like wow my, my life stresses me out well how long has that been going on and you have to be aware of that and and it's not just the idea that i'm i am experiencing long-term bad or negative or counterproductive stress it's the idea that over time that stress now becomes habit and people are saying, well, I can't, I, I can't seem to get myself out of whatever it is, fill in the blank, whatever bad habit I'm doing. Well, you've created that habit over time, and you have to intentionally change your behaviors and your habits in order to find the productive habits that work. Right. That makes sense. I mean, there seems to be an influx now of um, people being diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which um, comes from childhood trauma, which... So you're, you're a child, you're being traumatized, there's something happening, and this is forming your identity as you're growing up, and it becomes your normal, because you don't know anything different from that. How do you go about uh, helping somebody to unfold from that? Um, and I would think that would be a perfect time where a therapist and your services would work in tandem together, where the therapist is dealing with the past trauma, but you're helping somebody to come into their new future without the trauma pressing on them so hard they can't think of anything but that anymore and that's an example and that's a perfect example of where i would i would tread very very lightly at first and i would allow uh counselors or therapists to do their great work um and then i would <clears throat> excuse me i would i would focus primarily at first while they're doing that work i would work on uh empowerment i would work on uh, vision, visualization of what what does your life look like right now, and what do you want it to look like in whatever the time frame is six months, one year, five years. What do you want your life to look like? And then I do a lot with strength based uh, programs of looking at you know not just your strengths but also what are you interested in? What do you love to do, and how do you want to incorporate in that in your life? Do you, do you want to learn from your trauma and then help people with similar trauma? Well, let's look at possibly taking some classes or getting involved in volunteer, you know, and then of course you got to be careful. You don't want to throw people into care of others. 
you know, they're still trying to learn to heal from their past. So again, I I try to be very, very careful in those instances. And it it really comes down to um, where are you at your growth path through, through your therapy and, and what, and a lot of people with, with some people, you can jump right into it. You know, they've got a little bit stronger uh, personality, a little stronger mindset. And they're like, you know what? I want to do this. Other people need, need their time. So it has to be an individualized consideration of where do we go from here? But again, that's where I'm at is where are you going from here? So how do I empower you? And what does that look like? Yeah. What does that look like? What exactly like, okay, let's just take me for an example. Cause I'm here. I'm interview. All right, let's do it. So, let's, all right. So I have, I have bipolar, obviously. Um, I have complex trauma, I have regular PTSD, and I'm also diagnosed borderline personality disorder. I've okay. come from a history of molestation, abandonment, and, um, well, that's pretty good. Those are two good ones. Um, I'm doing my, I was hospitalized last year twice inpatient for um, going into delusional thought processes. How do you empower me? What is your first step to tell me or what is it that you would do if I came into you and I was like, this is, this is what I've got. This is my deal. I want to, um, would that be one of your questions? What do I want? What is my goal? Uh, what is my end goal? I want my podcast to chart this year on Apple. Okay. Empower me. Where, where do we go? So actually in, in this instance, because, you know, if we're, if we're starting from the beginning is the first thing I want to know is your your gratitude challenge i want you to tell me what's one thing that you're thankful for for the last 24 hours because i want to start the conversation on a positive where you're reflecting and you're growing from positive events so let's do that give me give me one thing in the last 24 hours that you're thankful for Hmm. i'm grateful for a lot of things one thing in particular would be that i'm not hospitalized this time this year where last time this year i was down to the count and um, I'm very grateful that I'm not impatient today. Okay. So you are grateful that you are home. You're not in the hospital. And what did you do? Let's just answer the one of the questions. What did you do and what did others do to enable that to happen? Well, I, took, I was in a lot of therapy. I got myself a positive support system who encouraged me to get well and encouraged me to do the podcast help other people not have to go through what I went through. Um, I reached out. I connected. I connected. Yep. All right. So you connected, you made positive relationships, and you took constructive or uh, productive action towards that, that goal that you talked about wanting to do. All that is your responsibility, and you did it, and that's empowerment. And by reflecting on that, you now have the positive self-worth in that you did multiple things. You made good, solid relationships. You continued those healthy relationships and you took positive steps on your way to accomplishing what you wanted to accomplish. Not only to for you to become more mentally aware and well, but to actually take those steps for things like the podcast. So let's just take that as, as the solid example. You took steps and you are actively engaged in producing and promoting your podcast. That's empowering. You took those steps. <laughs> Nobody else can do that for you. Nobody can be resilient for you. You did those things. And so the positive self-worth that you are doing this, that's empowering. How much do you think you manifestation sh- has to do with that? Do you think that's a real, a real thing? So ask that question one more time. That manifestation, is that a real thing or do you think that's kind of like a hocus pocus term that people throw around that you know you can manifest your life you can think it into action i think it's a real thing if you are able to move beyond thinking you're not going to be able to think your way into but it's hard to make something happen if you don't have a solid vision of what you want that to look like. So I teach a seven step process. I don't even call it goal setting. I call it goal achievement because goal setting is one of the the parts, right? But in, in mine, the, you know, out of the seven steps, the first four steps occur before you even do anything. 
because you're, you have to visualize where you want to go. You have to visualize who you are to be self-aware, what motivates you, um, who's, who's on your side, who are your benefactors, and at the same time, who might be against you, who might be a barrier. What are the, what are the barriers in your way? Um, how can you empower yourself? Like all that stuff is, you know, manifestation visualization of what do I want to accomplish? And then you take the steps to get where you want to go. I'm a big believer in visualization and uh, mindfulness. And, you know, it's, you have to understand where you're going. And it's a lot of that has to do with self-awareness, knowing where you're at, where you want to go, what could possibly trip you up to be aware of that so that you can, again, empowerment, making sure that those things don't trip you up. So yeah, I'm a big believer in things. And, you know, there's a lot of things that people call it, but, you know, I call it visualization and, and action. Go get it done. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. I'm doing my best I can. I mean, I still, the bipolar, it, it pops its head up. I mean, the fact that I'm aware of it now, because I was very unself-aware for a long time. And what actually helped me was I took the science of happiness class. I don't know if you've taken that out of um, Berkeley. It's an online course. Take it at Berkeley also, but it's called the science of happiness. Uh, what an amazing class. And I took that last year immediately after I came out of the hospital the second time because I was like, something's got to give. And I'm missing a major component on my own wellness here that medication isn't going to fix and therapy isn't going to fix. They can try to lead me to it, but I need to figure out where it is in my own being so that I can finally get to this mystery island called happiness that I have no clue what it is if I ever have experienced it. And um, it was an amazing class, and it does also talk about both sides of it, that you can't be happy all the time and that you can't be happy without setbacks. And that stress is a good thing because without stress, we won't grow. But stress is also deadly, so we need to figure out how to be mindful in our own lives and not let it go over the edge where, you know, we can't come back from it. And um, I highly recommend it. It's, it's, you know, you can take it for credit or for, without credit and all that good stuff, but even for my listeners, I recommend taking it. I mean, you can take it on your own time. It's not um, a class where, like, you know, weekly you have to check in. It's taken over, like, a six-month period of time, and they just give you an end date for when you're supposed to be done with it, and you can just take your own time on it. But it goes into, like, the neurons and um, the um, that whole limbic system thing. And, I mean, it was an amazing class, and I learned so much about it. And I actually – I actually have discovered the land of happy from time to time. And it's like, you know, it's a pretty good place to be at, but you can't stay there. You know, you just can't live there forever. So. Well, and I love I what know. you said that, you know, I mean, it, it always, all the programs that I do, all the skills that I teach, it's all about growth. Um, you know, when, when people talk about resilience, uh, when I start my foundations of resilience workshops, I like to ask people, what is your impression of resilience? What do you think of when you hear the word resilience? Cause I want to know where people are coming from. And one of the common things I hear is bounce back. And that's a great starting point, but I actually don't use it. And, and the more I talk about it, the more I don't like it, because in my mind, if I face significant stress, I want to bounce back. I want to grow because bouncing back to me, me, it, it sounds like, to, yeah, to what I was before. And I would hope that I'm not that person before. I hope that I'm constantly growing and thriving, which means that I'm always learning something new about myself. I'm learning something new about my environment. I'm applying skills that help me become more mentally strong and emotionally connected. So I push heavy on empowerment and accountability because if you're not willing to do the work, nobody's going to do it for you. And your life, whatever it looks like to you, other people have their own things going on and they will be interested and they might try to inspire, but they've got their own and they, they've got their own things going on and they can't be in your life doing it for you. And I love that you talked about, you know, becoming more self-aware because the more aware you are, the more accountability is right in your face. Because once you know about it, you have to do something about it. You know, whether that's be, you know, if you choose to ignore it, that's still some, that's still doing something. It's You're choosing choice, yeah. to ignore it. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's why I push accountability or excuse me, I, I push self-awareness because once you know, you have to make a choice. So for your clients, what is the first step that you lead them to, to become more self-aware? What is the first practice that you'll ask them to do to, um, you know, keep their mind? Cause it's hard to become mindful. I mean, you think you are, but you're not 
you know, most of us are, we're so absorbed in our own lives and our own daily routine and avoiding situations that we don't want to have anything to do with that we're not mindful. Like I caught myself, I walk my dog pretty much daily and I always have headphones in. And I was thinking the other day and I'm like, I'm paying no attention to my dog. I'm listening to the music, a podcast or whatever I have on my headset. I'm not paying attention to traffic. And what am I doing? So I'm taking my dog for a drag, basically, because I'm not paying attention <laughs> to what do, right? And it's like, I'm kind of messing this up. I'm kind of not exactly doing this walking thing the right way. Like, I want to, you know, and I've started doing that. I'll take my headphones out now, and I'll walk with him, and I'll listen to the traffic, and I'll listen to the birds with him, and whatever else is going on, and what he's alerting at. And it's like, wow, I need to be more like my dog sometimes because he's really got it going on, you know? <laughs> well, and here's, here's, a, here's a little bit of vulnerability to hopefully help people, you know, give themselves a little bit more grace that even the professionals have those issues. I am horrible when it comes to mindfulness. And I, I empower people all the time, call me out because, you know, whether I'm walking around the house, listening to podcasts on my phone, I got my headphones in during certain things. We're going for drives, we're going on vacations and I'm playing on my phone. You know, I'm still doing work when I'm not supposed to be doing work. I told him I wouldn't. And so I, I empower people to, to call me out and trying to be encouraging to other people that, you know, you never quite figure it out. There's, and, and growing, um, through stress and adversity means that you're always going to be working to grow through stress and adversity. You're never going to arrive because stress is always going to be there and adversity is always just right around the corner. So give yourself some grace. First of all, give yourself some grace to know that you, you have the ability, which means that you also have the ability to, to fail. Right. And failure is nothing more than a stepping stone and a learning opportunity. As long as you're pushing, to constantly grow because even if you're on the right track, if you don't move, you're going to get run over. Right. But give yourself some grace for crying out loud that it's sometimes you have bad days and that's okay. And coping sounds like kind of a negative term, but sometimes, you know what, I'm having a bad week and I just need to get through Friday and, and on the weekend I can relax and, and hit it again yeah, next week. Group. That's okay. Give yourself some grace. So, so to, to address your question specifically, where I like to start once we have the gratitude conversation, because that's usually only about five or 10 minutes and we can get through that. The place that I love to start is what I call the foundations of resilience and mental performance. And this is the very short version. If you have, in order to have productive emotions, you have to have productive thoughts. So if you drive productive thoughts, you're going to have productive emotions and physical reactions. So that's the short version. So let me, let me give you just a little bit more. So imagine this. You've got three blocks. On the top block, you have events because things happen, right? Life's chaotic. Triggers, adversity, even good things, right? Things happen. Next Funny. to that, you have a thought bubble because you have thoughts in your mind which drive, in the third block, emotions and physical reactions. What we, what a lot of people trip up on is something happened and it triggered me. So I got angry or I got sad or I got depressed or I got confused, right? They drive the emotion from the event, but that's not how it happens because you miss the thought bubble because you have thoughts about events and that's what drives your emotions. So here's a basic example I use in my workshops. So let's say that you're having an argument with someone you care about. You and everybody else can imagine that, right? We've all, all been there before. You're having an argument with somebody you care about. And suddenly, the first thought that pops into your head is, they never listen to what I have to say. That thought drives your emotions and your physical reactions. So a lot of times, people will say, well, I, I would feel angry, or I would feel irritated, or I'd feel defeated, right? Not not things, but emotions. What emotions would that drive? And all emotions are uh, partnered with physical reactions. If you feel angry, chances are you, you're tense and your heart is racing. If you feel defeated, you might slump your shoulders and you know maybe you're, you're talking softer than you usually would or just outright not talk at all, right? There's always physical reactions associated with emotions. Mine's always in my gut, my physical reaction straight to my stomach. So I always, that's, I always know when something's going awry because it's like my stomach will just start... And it's like, uh-oh, something's not right. So. Right. But that's, that's tied to your physical reaction is tied to an emotion. And your emotion is driven by your thoughts, 
not the other way around. So if you can understand and slow the process, and I'm talking heat of the moment thoughts, I'm not talking about five minutes later, I had this conversation with myself. No, you're in a, you're in a fight with somebody you care about. And your first thought is they never listen to what I have to say. And suddenly you're angry and tense. Well, if you're not careful, that angry and tense becomes the new trigger. And now you're thinking, well, I'm going to show them, I'm going to win this fight. Right. And you get this lost in this circle where you're not, you're no longer in control. You're, you're out of control. Whereas yep. if you have, if you're in that fight with somebody you care about and they say, uh, the, the first thought in your mind is they don't listen to what I have to say. Suddenly you're angry and irritated and you feel your heart racing. You can pause and take a breath and know that your thoughts are where you have the most control. So instead of allowing the anger and the tension to lead to the next thing, you go back to your thoughts and you say, okay, what's the most productive thing I want to accomplish here? You say, and what's the self-talk? Because it's thoughts, right? Well, this, right. this relationship means a lot to me. This person means a lot to me. If, yeah, if you say that to yourself, that drives calm, that drives empathy, right? Because you're no longer concerned about winning. Your thoughts are driving emotions associated with, I care about this person and I want the most productive outcome. I don't need to win this fight. I want to know what the right outcome is, even if it's not the best outcome for me, what's the right outcome. So it's just the idea of, and that's with the... <laughs> I try to paint that picture as best as I can, but if you imagine three blocks, events, thoughts, and emotions and physical reactions at the, at the third one, if you just understand that thoughts drive your emotions and your physical reactions, positive self-talk sounds very woo-woo and, you know, flowery, but it's, it's 100% effective. I mean, there's whole degree programs on uh, performance psychology and sports psychology. If I ask you, uh, so sports psychology, if I'm going to go get a master's degree in sports psychology, what do you imagine is the purpose? What do I want to do with that degree? You're going to help um, an athlete that has hit a wall to figure out what it is that is blocking them from becoming their best performance again. That's what I would yes. think it would mean. Yeah. Somebody so when I think about sports psychology, I think about helping, um, he helping people mentally prepare for physical activity. Right. So if that works for an athlete, why wouldn't that work for the rest of us? Because what they're doing is they're helping them mentally prepare. They're mentally focusing so that they have effective emotions and physical reactions. And whatever that means, I mean, you could be talking about a baseball player, a football player, or you could be talking about a chess player. Well, that works for business as well. Somebody going into a boardroom, getting ready to negotiate a huge multimillion dollar contract or you going to Christmas dinner, knowing that you ha you didn't necessarily have the best conversation the last time you talked to your sister and you're wondering what's going to happen. It's all, it's all pregame and it's all mental preparation for events or having the best outcome as the events are happening. So whether you're talking about athletes, relationships, business, driving in traffic, it's all the same stuff. If you have effective thoughts, you, you are more likely to have effective physical reactions and, and emotions. So you brought up empathy there briefly. I've, I'm reading a book right now, I can't remember the title of it, but it basically has to do with how our society has lost the basic ability to have any empathy due to social, social networking and the lack of actual face-to-face -face communications that we have now. How important is that? I mean, I mean, I, in my opinion, I think it's extremely important to be empathetic, but in the whole big game, how important is empathy like, as far as like, your own empowerment goes? I think empathy is extremely important, but I want to clarify something because I disagree with a lot of people here that people think that we're, we're disconnected because of social media, that we've become less empathetic. Um, I look at social media no different than I look at money. It's a tool that we use. And if you look at it as a tool, you're more likely to use it more effectively. And, and the reason why I say that is uh, imagine somebody hitting the, the jackpot and suddenly they're $300 million and they go off the deep end, right? And they, they lose their mind and, you know, all this stuff. The, the money didn't do that to them. The money didn't define them. It exposed them. And I think that's what social media does. Is the media doesn't define who we are. Social media, Facebook, and all these other things, they don't define you. They expose you for who you really are. So if we have an empathy problem, it's because people need to be more empathetic. And that's a skill. You know, no different than gratitude to be empathetic. 
Right. It's, a, it's, it's, you know, I look at resilience like leadership. Leadership isn't a skill. Leadership is a set of skills that you use to lead people. Resilience isn't a skill. Resilience is a set of skills that help you grow and thrive through stress and adversity. So if you look at it more appropriately, then it, it's, you start looking at it as accountability. So when you think about uh, emotional intelligence, when I think about emotional intelligence, I think about how do I become more emotionally connected to people? Well, I have to use the skill of gratitude um, and, you know, whatever the, all the skills that you might use, be a more empathetic person, you know, to have positive relationships, communication skills, so that, you know, active, constructive listening, so that you're actually mm -hmm. having conversations with people and showing interest in the relationships that you're having. You have to use those things. And I don't think that we're missing them. I think that we're just being ex exposed for being who we really are. And you hear a lot about people you know, not necessarily doing the right things, but that's easy. That's because negativity is easier to spread. People oh, don't yeah. tell, people don't tell enough positive stories. And I think that's that, true. I think that our, I don't think that our, our society is necessarily in a worse place than it's ever been before. I think that the negativity is just easier to spread and we need I to do a better you. job. Individuals need to do a better job of spreading positivity and spreading positive messages. And that's why I love, if, you know, if you look me up on Facebook or any of the other um, social media, you know, I, it's realistic, but it's real, it's, it's optimism. Um, it's me, you know, talking about my day or talking about the skills, helping people out or putting videos on there where I've done workshops with people. It's my real life, but I don't want to talk about all the, the negativity and the rumors. I, you know, I want to talk realistic and I want to be real, but I want to be optimistic and I want to be building towards that, that, that right side, the, the optimizing mental performance, because if I can be stronger for myself, then I'm going to be prepared to be ready, uh, then I'm going to be prepared to help other people. If I'm a train right. wreck, I can't expect to be supportive to somebody else. Exactly. That whole bumper sticker thing of you can't pour from an empty vessel type thing. I mean, that's really, it really exactly. is true. I mean, if you've got nothing to give, you've got nothing to give. And it always um, goes back to accountability. You know, once you're self-aware, you have to make a decision and you're going to be exposed for who you really are. Um, I posted something out there the other day that you don't get what you want. You get who you are or something like that. It basically, it's, 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 a, it's, the, it's the accountability and it's the, it's, the, it's the exposing of who you really are. Once you're aware, you have to make a decision. Well, yeah, or just yeah or be a liar i mean cause once you're aware and if you choose to just do nothing about whatever it is that you're aware of um then you just become complicit with the if the problem you come become complicit with that too and yeah, I, i'm exactly I you get what you give i think is what you're trying to give at like if you give all good karma out and you're always you know trying to be the better person and you know, and just doing what you think is the right thing. Because um, you can always be wrong on that too, but if you're doing what you think is right and you're doing it to the best capacity, you're still doing the right thing. Um, right. But you're going to empty your karma debt <laughs> if you believe in the karma, you know. Because somebody said this the other day, they're like, man, you had such bad luck for such a long amount of time. And they go, you just emptied out your karma debt. And I'm like, well, we can look at it that way or we can just look at it that I finally became aware of what an asshole I was and that I decided to change my ways and to become a benefit to society instead of becoming, you know, a dredge on society. And they're like, well, that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, because it, it is true, though. I mean, as soon as you, you, as soon as you start putting out good, it comes back to you. I mean, and I know it's like a biblical reference and all, and we don't need to go down there, but it's true. You get back what you put out. And if you're putting out all good, you're going to get good back because it's just, it's just what your energy flow is. You know, well, and even even, you know, I mean, we know that there's there's bad people that, that, that bad things don't happen to them. And we know that there's plenty of good people that bad stuff happens to them. Right. And that's and that's kind of the point of that thought the event thought consequence model is things happen. And if you're the type of person that gets in that that should and that blaming and that victim mentality, you can get stuck there because things are going to happen. Life is chaotic. If you think about the decisions that you make throughout your day the majority of your decisions are reactions to something because life is crazy. I mean, how much control do you have in traffic other than the steering wheel and the gas and brake pedal? Not a whole lot. 
Traffic's going to flow the way that traffic's going to flow. And if you let that get to you, it's going to have a negative effect on you. If you say, you know what, this is just what's happening to me and I'm going to do the best that I can. That's the same thing. So you can have two drivers right next to each other. One of them's blowing up and road raging. The other one's like, this is what's happening. And I'm going to get where I'm going to get where, you know, whenever I get there. So it, it really does come down to your mindset and the, the, the way that you handle life. Life is chaotic and it's going to happen. Your control you are you are 100% accountable and responsible for the thoughts that drive uh, your emotions and your physical reactions. And if you can be accountable and you can realize the thoughts that you're having and you can change the thoughts or once you're aware of them, then actively have different thoughts. And that's the thing that the other thing I want to bring up is <clears throat> if you have a thought in your mind or you have an emotion um, that flows through your body, be accountable for that. Don't don't try to squash it. Try to because if you know, I mean, you know, let's say worst case scenario, the thought that comes to my head when I walk into work and I'm like, I'd like to punch that guy in the face. There's a reason why I'm having that thought. I need to be accountable for that. I need to figure it out because there's something wrong, and I need to be yep. accountable for that. You, you know, likewise, if you know something bad is happening and I'm like, oh, you know what, whatever. You know, maybe I need to be a little bit worried. You know, emotions, emotions are neither positive or negative. And, and I talk about that. You know, we, we have the conversation about positive emotion and building yourself up and optimism, right? Okay, taking that conversation and putting it to the side. Emotions are not positive or negative. They are neutral until you assign them some type of thought or you assign them to something, you know, because you can look at, um, you know, I'll have people do this drill and I'll say, okay, you got three minutes. Um, I want you to put all the positive emotions on the left side and all the uh, negative emotions on the right side. And, you know, typically on the right side, you get anger and, um, you know, rage and like all these heavy, you know, that feel like hate or negative ones like depression and stuff like that. And on the right side or on the left side, you get the positive emotions of happy and joyful and whatever, whatever, right? All these. Well, if you think about it, can you think of a time where anger is a productive emotion that gets you what, right? So, so anger itself is not bad. It's not a negative emotion. It's just an emotion. You feel it. And there's a time and a place for anger. No different than if you're going to go through, I don't know, however many stages, six, seven, eight stages of grief, right? You've got denial and anger and acceptance and everything in between. If you effectively go through the stages of grief, you come out stronger on the other side. It's when you ignore or try to suppress one of them. Feel something. You really need to don't ignore it or try to don't try to dismiss it, but work it backwards. What thoughts am I having that are driving these emotions? Because once you're able to do that, you're going to start seeing and feeling. You're going to you're going to feel. Well, my heart's racing. Well, why is my heart racing? Because I feel upset. Well, why do I feel upset? Well, because this event. No, you thought something about that event. What self talk are you having that's driving those things? And you can you. That's where the control comes in. You are 100% accountable for the thoughts that that occur in your head. Because the thoughts are what drive your emotions. And then the actions that you take after you feel that. Because I'm a great proponent of, um, I, like I said, I, I must be very, very mindful because this is like all resonating. That I will have a thought and I will like stop dead in my tracks and be like, count five seconds back before I say a word, make a motion, um, even give eye contact sometimes because even that can for an argument or a bad, you know, a bad juju thing going on. If you give somebody that, uh, that look and you don't, you know, you're not even really aware of the fact that you're giving them the look. And um, yeah, I'm, I step back a lot lately and just, um, you know, like regroup in that five second period of time, which isn't very long, but you know, during that period of time where like you can either go all bad or you can save the situation. It's, it can be a little bit, uh, a little bit hectic there, you know? Yeah. You know, and that's what, you know, where I do my best work. It, it all starts right there. It starts with, with self-awareness and accountability. And if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to take the time to learn the skills, you will grow and thrive through stress and adversity. It's true. Um, so as far as like, so the, the performance coach, so what, it, what do you do on that end of it? Um, a mental performance coach. So like you're, you know, training people for Mensa or, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so what I, what I do is, you know, with, with the foundations of resilience, starting, starting with that conversation is I help people, you know, teach them the skills so that they can become more self-aware. And when, when I talk about the bigger program, I, I focus on self-awareness, 
self-regulation in that order because you can't regulate until you're aware, right? So we've got self-awareness skills that help you be more aware of your thought patterns, self-regulation, which help you create more productive thought patterns, but then also goes backwards into why do I think the way that I think? What are, what, you know, I, I, I think the way that I think because of my habits. Well, I have habits because of my influencers in my past. And I'll, I'll, I'll dip a little bit backwards into people, but more of the self-awareness for self-regulation's sake, because your thoughts come from somewhere. And chances are there, you know, you, you've got habits. Why do you have those habits? Well, I think that way because that's the way my, my dad thought. Okay, well, so let's build that forward. Is that productive or counterproductive? And then we, and then we move forward from there of what's the productive end that you're looking for. So we do a lot of self-awareness, self-regulation. We work a lot on optimism, realistic optimism. So you can have positive thoughts and you can have an an optimistic vision to shoot for. Um, uh, I work a lot with connections, um, making sure that people are having the, the, the conversations in the right way so that they have uh, better relationships because community requires relationships and relationships require a vulnerability. So how do you effectively build those relationships, which also includes a lot of healthy boundaries. This person may not be the best person for me. I still love them, but I got to put up a certain boundaries for them. Right. And then I'm, I'm also very big on strength based, uh, whether you talk about, you know, individual strengths, team strengths, leader strengths of what are you really good at and what can, what are you passionate about and how can I fuel that fire so that you, you are more empowered by what you're already good at. It's really super. I just had to let my dog in for a minute. So I'm like, it's all right. It's real life. It is real life, you know. And um, so let's talk about this. So last week, was it last week? Last weekend, two weekends ago, my dog had a neurological difficulty. I thought he was having a stroke. Okay, so this is the same week I find out that my best friend is moving, you know, six hours away from me. My dog has a stroke. And um, my psychiatrist is leaving, and I'm like, wow, the three main components of my life are all leaving me, right? That was my first thought process. I'm being abandoned by everything that is keeping me well. I took all that week off. I didn't do anything with the podcast. I just basically, um, like, self-soothed myself and, like, reassured myself that even if all these, everything that I was feeling, you know, like my foundation left me, that I would still be okay. Now, is that a form of resilience right there? Was Absolutely. That, like I, that was yes. resilience. You're, you're, I, you're taking, because you're, you're, you're taking responsibility for the initial thought. Your initial thought was, uh, all my support is abandoning me. You're having that thought for a reason. Well, because to a certain extent, they're, they're leaving and you have to be willing to face that. And at first it causes a little nervousness, maybe a little anxiety. And so you effectively thought your way through that process so that you had effective um, uh, emotions because there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, relying on people. We we're, we're relational beings. We love emotional connection. That's where our best relationships are built on vulnerability and emotion. And so taking responsibility for your thoughts that I'm having this thought for a reason. Why am I having this thought? Because they're my support system. Well, why are, you know, why are they my support system? Well, it's my best friend and it's this person and this person. And, and taking account of that, but then holding yourself accountable for, you know what? Life is going to go on. Life has to go on. So what am I going to do about it? And that's the best thing. And this is not a hey, I did a bunch of research and figured it out. This is just my observation. The most successful people that I know, whatever that means to them, are the people where events happen, they take a breath and they say, now what? They don't get caught up in drama. They don't get caught up in being a victim. They are 100% accountable for what they know and what they can control. And they focus on the control. And that's what you did is you took a breath and you said, okay, let me, let me figure out what's happening here and how can I best move forward? That is exactly resilience in action. And then the accountability part of it, which is amazing to me, because like I'm, my dog was like seizuring in front of me. And it was, just, it was a nightmare. And I'm actually contacting people that I had interviews with that week at that moment while I'm watching my dog and going, oh my God, I'm going to have to have a funeral. I'm going to have to do all this stuff for my dog. And I'm contacting them going, we have to reschedule. Like very like, you know, 
like nothing was going on, but like we have to reschedule. I have a, a personal situation that's going on, and um, I, you know, I'm sorry, I regret this, but can we please reschedule for March? And in the in the meanwhile, so one one part of my brain is very logically functioning, and the other part of my brain is like freaking out because all the other thoughts of what I'm gonna have to do if he had passed on this time around were like it, it was really weird. It was like a very much like a, a, a like a duality in my head that like it, and they both managed to work at that time but um you know it's it, very you know, important for people to understand that resilience isn't always pretty sometimes you're <laughs> just mucking your way through a swamp and you're like you know what one step in front of the other i'm gonna get there because things happen again life's chaotic you know you can't yeah. control all that stuff you're making the best decisions that you can make in the time and then th- later on after the fact you can take a breath and you can look back and say, okay, this is, this is what I did really well. And I want to continue to do that. And I want to reinforce that. Then I want to look at, okay, here's a couple of things that I didn't quite do so well. Next time I'm going to try to do this yeah. here. And here's the best thing that you can do. If you're ever in a situation where you don't know what to do or things like, it seems like everything's falling apart, everything's going against you. Like the worst case scenario, do you know what first responders are taught when they arrive on a scene? What are they taught uh, to do? Triage. Well, there's there's a there's a certain saying that they go by, and they, there's there's a couple things, but essentially I'll squash it down to scene safe. So first responders, we're talking law enforcement, firefighters, uh, paramedics, EMTs. When they arrive on a scene, they're taught to go through their mind and say scene safe for a couple different reasons. Oh, yeah. Number one, you got to sure that they're not. Yeah. Yeah, you have to assess the scene, right, to, for safety. Yeah. Um, of, you know, cops looking for perpetrators, or is there a fire? Is there possible explosions? Like all the things that the first responders would have to look for. Firefighters aren't going to just run into a building. They have to assess it first, right? So not only are they assessing the scene of their environment, that's an opportunity for them to assess themselves to make sure that they're ready to go. Because if you're not effective, right, if your heart's racing and you're totally out of control, then you're no longer a, a, um, a productive member of your team and you're certainly not going to go in and you're not going to save anybody. You're now a liability. So exactly. imagine a first responder coming up on a scene and the first thing that they're taught to do is take a deep breath. Well, that right? makes sense. Yeah, right. Like nice, yeah, exactly. exactly. So think about what scenario you're facing that, you, you know, it legitimate it, that you're most likely running a million things through your head that you can't just take a step back, take a second and take a deep breath so that you can collect your thoughts so that you can have the productive thoughts, which result in productive emotions. We, everybody has the capability. In most situations, you have the capability to do that. I think in all, well, I mean, maybe not an airplane crash. I mean, you're kind of, kind of out of your hands on that, but. I think for almost all instances, unless it's like just, you know, a head-on collision or something like that, you actually have opportunities. I mean, what is it like? We process, what, 70, 70 million, 700 million thought processes a day or something like that. And like what, 95% of them, 95% are like straight instinctual though. And uh, I, like, is it always good instinct? That's what I was just thinking. Like I have, I have worked through a lot of my negative coping skills, but they, helped me survive my childhood but I did need to relearn them because like the thought processing we're talking about the negative self-talk and the all black and white thinking and um you know you know what I'm talking about right yeah survival mechanisms are important but sometimes they create counterproductive right it was important at the time and you did what you had to do but you're right you might need to relearn so that you can be more effective that makes total sense to me yeah so, I mean, that's like, um, yeah, I mean, because I was just thinking about, like, as a kid, I mean, so I grew up um, learning how to survive by, like, um, self-injury, which I don't, haven't done in years. But at that time, that self-injury served me well because it would get me noticed by the nurse who would then talk to me about what was going on in my house and would then take me out of situations that were even further detrimental to me. So in that instance, it saved me. However, now as a 55-year-old woman going and self-harming myself isn't really going to benefit me at all except possibly get me impatient. 
Right. So, and that's fantastic self-awareness that, you know what, at the time I did what I had to do, but now that's not productive. And, and that self-awareness is allowing you to reach out, to seek the help so that you can understand and, and how do I move forward and create better habits? And I, I think that's phenomenal. You, that's, that's absolutely the right answer. And that is resilience. See? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean I you just give yourself positive reinforcement for the things that you're doing good. Give yourself grace for the stuff that you don't necessarily do so well. And just understand that it's a process. None of us do this great every day. Resilience sometimes is pretty ugly. And it's, and it's giving yourself grace and understanding that I'm going to do better tomorrow. I love that word grace. Um, Cause actually when I, when I did go back to reschedule these interviews with these people and I was like, the grace you extended me was amazing. And, you know, I'll be sure to pay that forward for the next time a situation comes up where somebody has to cancel on me and I will extend them the same grace that they, cause I, I, I really expected them to think that I was just like, just blowing them off I mean that's again my own training from growing up that you know everything is could always be taken the second way that maybe they didn't believe me you know and I'll and I'll say one more thing you know you mentioned a couple times about you know the 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 habits and the training um and that's really important uh from the perspective of common saying that we have is you don't rise to the occasion you fall to the level of your training and that's why we train so much in the military because you have to learn and and that's no different than you know whether you look at a you know firefighters practicing putting out a fire or paramedics practicing working in a high stress environment police officers practicing clearing a building whatever that means so that's no different than everybody else that want to practice mental performance and resilience skills you have to practice because if you don't practice and you don't change your thought, your thought patterns and your, your behaviors, you, you have a stressful day, you're going to fall back on whatever your bad habits are, whatever your most common things are. So you have to train yourself over and over. The skills have to be trained. I use the analogy of, of fitness. If we can talk, we, this could, we could have this have the same conversation about doing pushups. We can talk all about pushups and how great they are. And the way they, you know, the way they change your body and how often you should do them and how many you should do and all that. But until you actually do them, you get no benefit. And this is the exact same thing. If you don't pr- practice resilient skills, you get no benefit from them. That's true. And by the way, I am an Air Force vet. So I I saw that. Of- I, I saw the picture on your <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I was crypto linguist. So, um, you know, I don't know how much resiliency came into my job. I, you definitely wouldn't be training me on anything except how to get out of a darkened cave. But, um, you know. Oh, you'd be surprised. I know all about uh, cryptologic linguists. Yeah, we're a little nuts, but we're good people. I, <laughs> you know? I, I know them very well. So is there anything, I, my phone, I don't, if I go to see what time it is on my phone right now, I'm going to cut us off because my phone just got like really enlarged. My cat is walking around me. So, um, <laughs> I think we're right about 62 minutes. So we're right there. So is there anything that you want to, this has been a great interview, by the way, and uh, thank you very much. And You're I'm very sure welcome. that the audience will get a lot out of this, but is there any one last skill or trick or life hack or just thought that you would like to leave the audience with that would help to improve their life? Just, just a tiny bit today well let me go let me go back and reinforce what we already talked about because people want to talk about really advanced techniques and they it's it's easy to overlook things because can can something so simple be so effective and the answer is yes so let's reinforce the ones that we've already talked about because if you're not willing to do those is is it worth our time to talk about the more advanced ones so the gratitude challenge three good things that happened in the last 24 hours and ask yourself why it happened, why, what it means to you, and what can you do to encourage more of it in, in the future. And then the idea of thoughts drive emotions. So you need to reflect on the thoughts you have, take accountability for them, and drive effective thoughts for If you can start working on those two things, your resilience factor is going to skyrocket because, you know, we've already talked about optimism and we've already talked about the benefit of accountability of forcing yourself to now you have to make a decision that is huge for resilience. So I would reinforce those two skills and those are a skill. You have to practice them. You do the gratitude thing. Um, I've had a gratitude journal now for well, past two years easily. Uh, and I notice when I start slipping in it, 
that my mental my mental well-being starts slipping too so i mean there is honestly something to that and if you all want to do a gratitude journal uh challenge with me go on to dancewithbipolar.com and i'll set up a special area there for you all if you want and we can all start tracking our gratitude together um if it makes it easier for my listeners to remember to do so i'll put something up on the podcast up on the uh, website when i get off this to remind you all to remember to be grateful um, and that's a perfect example of using a tool as, as and the most effective means necessary, whether you're talking about social media, uh, a blog, or, you know, whatever connection um, software you want to use. That's a great example of using a tool for an effective end is, is supporting each other. Go out there and do your gratitude challenges because that's the next step. Once you feel good about something, go share it with other people. Yep. Cause it, yeah, because then it makes them feel like, you know, I know like people who do the gratitude thing and they're like, oh, I mean, not, not that you shouldn't be grateful for hot water and coffee and, uh, you know, warm coffee. Oh, I'm absolutely grateful for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I love my coffee. Uh, but sometimes it's okay to get into a little bit more esoteric and be grateful for weather and, you know, and, uh, you know, just grateful for like really oddball things that nobody would really think about. But if it benefits your life and helps you in any way, shape or form, then be grateful for it by all means, you know, if you're grateful for jumping in mud puddles yesterday because it made you feel like you were five years old and go for it. You know, I mean, don't, don't hold back. Be, you know, be grateful for what makes your life better. And in Absolutely. some actuality, be grateful for things that gives your life a challenge because it helps you realize how good you actually have it most of the time. And I, I encourage people a lot of that. You know, I, I, I was doing a live video earlier today. It was only a couple minutes, but I, you know, I just talked about, Hey, it was a good day. I got no plans and relaxing, you know, cooking food and, reminder um so you know if if you're if people are interested in, in connecting with me absolutely i'd love to to have people follow me on, on facebook and, and share your gratitude and let me know how this conversation impacted you and what you might want to learn more about i put a lot of free stuff out on social media conversations little bits here and there a lot of the the presentations and workshops i do i'll record them and i'll put them out there you know i'm not trying to sell anything to anybody that they don't want so if you want it come talk to me but otherwise just you know, look me up and let's have a conversation and see how I can, I can help you develop your skills. Yeah. And you can find him at neilwadier.com, N-E-I-L-W-A-T-T-I-E-R.com, a uh, resilience and mental performance coach. It's been an amazing interview. Um, so glad that we, we made this happen. It's been awesome. I'm very and, thankful um, that you invited me on the show. It was a great conversation. You're welcome. And uh, so you go have a, a great rest of your night now because it's night for you are i still have like an hour of afternoon left (laughs) yeah it's dinner time well go enjoy those ribs or whatever it was that you were busy on all day and um i'm sure that we'll touch base again at some point in time and um thank you thank you very much neil have a great night thank you very much for your time you're welcome